How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And here we are. Here we are another day with another great study ahead of us. Every study of the Word of God is a great study. All right, so we are still working our way through the Gospel of Luke, and we are up to chapter 11, verse 34. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, grab your tea, grab your coffee, and it's time to study the Word of God. All right, so what we're doing is we're doing a slow, methodical walkthrough of the letter of Luke, just taking a look at some of the things that he said and uh, uh, the pictures and the images uh, that are portrayed and what the Lord has for us for our learning. Now we're learning how to read these things, study these things, and to cross-reference see across the Word of God. Uh, how it all fits together. So, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, then please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. If it's not related to the topic at hand, <clears throat> if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to the next broadcast, we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing. All right, so while we're waiting for everyone else to join in and we're just working our way through the introduction, um, I also just did a short little video earlier this morning. It's already up uh, in regards to Halloween. It's our yearly video, yearly warning, uh, annual warning uh, against the Halloween festival. And please make sure you check out that video and share it around. And as well, please show your support by liking and subscribing as well that uh, is uh, really helps out this channel and uh please share around all our materials our vids and all this stuff share it around other people know what the word of god has to say about some of these things okay so our study today is in the gospel of luke we're up to chapter 11 verse 34 now what we're doing is we're using the berean method the berean method of Acts 17 11 as we see the studying of all scripture, the acceptance of all scripture, the application of all scripture personally. So we break this down as into the explanation of the what, the how, the why. What it specifically says, the narrative of the text, and um, how we accept it whole uh, without cherry picking. Okay, what is it saying? Uh, who is talking? So again, idea of, of exactly what's going on. So we're not cherry picking just a single verse or part of verse or a single passage. And then we back up, go again through it slowly, take a look at the how. How is it specifically being said? The specific pictures and images, the words, doing the word studies. Uh, and how can I compare what I'm reading with other aspects of the word of God? As well as the what, the what, the, uh, uh, sorry, the what, the how, the why, the why. I haven't finished my coffee yet. The why. Why is this important about personal application to go live it, speak it, think it, do it? All right, so the what, the how, the why. Now, so yesterday I was watching a video. I'm already rabbit trailed. Uh, I was watching a YouTube video uh, and I saw a little, a little clip of some some guy that's up on a stage thinking he's a preacher saying that there's uh, there's nothing in the word of god that that talks about specifically specifically that talks about you know the preservation of the inerrancy of scripture and how uh, 
really. There are so many people out there who think the Word of God is open to personal interpretation, and that there are contradictions in this stuff, and it's just, and that that we can't be so adamant and uh, and dogmatic on doctrines and, and uh, teachings and things. Well, those are people who never studied their Bibles. If we take a look, for example, over in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 to 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they are moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, we've gone over this before many, many times about how the Lord preserves His Word, the preservation of the Word of God and the inerrancy of the Word of God. There's no contradictions in the Word of God. And that, that uh, as God even says multiple times, how He holds it, He'll keep it, He'll preserve it. It's even it's above His very name. His Word is above His very name. And if the Word of God is called into question and is open to personal interpretation, then so is the name of God. So how high and holy is the name of Jesus Christ? His word is above his very name, is what the Lord says. So when we go over to and what uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, all scripture, that means from Genesis to Revelation, all scripture is given. Given in the Greek is theonoustos, meaning God breathed. And God spoke it. God spoke it. All scripture is God spoken. God breathed. Given by inspiration of God. That he inspired it. He gave it. It's inspiration of God. By inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. The word in the Greek is perfect. A lot of modern translations change that into a different word. So it's not perfected. That may be perfect, means meaning perfected. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That the word of God applies to every aspect of our lives. Mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially. It applies to anything and everything. The word of God can be applied to anything and everything. That there's a purpose for it. There's doc doctrine, teaching, instruction, application, help, wisdom, knowledge. For any and every possible thing that you could do, think, say, or uh, find yourself in a uh, circumstance of. We go to the Word of God because as the Lord is infinite, so is His wisdom and knowledge, which He spoke to His servants and they wrote down what God said. God dictated to them what to write. And then God preserves His Word into all generations that His Word is infinite, just like Him. That's why you can't exhaust this book. So you could literally spend a lifetime on one verse. Give that some thought. All right, so... Here we are, Luke chapter 11, verse 34. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke eleven thirty-four. 34. Let's take a look here. So if we back up again, take a look what's going on. Jesus is giving a teaching. And the people gathered thick together. He began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek after signs. I have to seek after signs and wonders. And we talked about that a bit. And about how, how there's nothing else that you need you don't need signs and wonders you don't need other wisdoms and and teachings and philosophies and things as he says there's a greater than solomon here there's a greater than jonah here 
If you take a look at all the things of the past, this is greater. Jesus Christ is greater. His word, his teaching is greater. You don't need signs and wonders and spiritual experiences. What you need is the teaching of Christ. What Christ says. Now, and then he goes on to the, the application here about using like a candle. Now, how many of you have had your power go out in the evening? It gets pretty dark and gets pretty quiet. Now, in the pitch black and you light a candle, it's kind of hard to see the candle in the dark, isn't it? I mean, I mean, it just, you can barely make it out and, and you're, you're staring right at the thing. You can barely see it. Even though it's really dark, the darkness really kind of drowns out the light, right? Actually, it's the, it's the complete inverse of that. Is as soon as you you light that you light that candle, everyone's eyes immediately go right to the candle, and it's quite glaring in the dark. The Lord uses the application of a candle in the dark as as a as a metaphor for the Word of God in this world, and not just the Word of God, but for the Christian. And then he goes on to say, for example, a candle is that no one puts it in a secret place. You don't light the candle and then shove it in a closet. You don't light the candle and put it in a back room, close the door. You don't light the candle and then put a box or something over it so no one can see it. But on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. You, you put it on the in and you set it down on a table in the center of the room. It's the center of everything. And then he goes on here with another interesting application in verse 34. The light of the body is the eye. Hmm, interesting. Now, this is actually where the saying, uh, the eyes are the windows to the soul came from. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, let's just read a couple of verses here first, and then we'll back up. So the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be filled of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. All right, so let's back up. Now, in this, we see Jesus using, again, the, um, the metaphor of candles and candlelight, applying it to our body and our eye. Okay, so the light of the body is the eye. The eyes are the window to the soul. Um, there's an old uh, missionary video. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called E-Tau. E-E-T-A-O-W. I, I think that's how you spell it. E-Tau. It's, uh, it's some missionaries that have gone over to New Guinea. I think it's New Guinea. It's been quite a while since I've seen it. So forgive me if I have a couple of the details wrong. But they went over to New Guinea, which I believe it is. And they are witnessing to the natives there in the jungle. And they wind up, spoiler alert, they wind up leading the whole tribe to the Lord. 
Now, it's it was quite interesting watching them in this video, how it's a documentary of their time there and over time how they witness to them and how they draw them and how they preach them and teach them and and then how people finally that the whole village j just starts roaring and cheering and dancing and they're all dancing and they're all going crazy because the whole village got saved like nigh simultaneously they all see it and they all believed a mass revival swept through the native village and they're all cheering and dancing and everything and uh and then so the after then the missionaries go on to teach the people more and uh, and uh, more doctrine and theology and what the word of god teaches and a whole bunch of the the uh, natives there actually wind up becoming teachers themselves of the word of god and they go out to other villages uh, other tribes now in the video you uh, we see the cameraman follows uh, some of the natives there as they're going through the jungle and they meet several men from one of the other villages these men or for this other villages unsaved came, were coming to find the missionary and they meet these natives and they say we want what you have we see in your eyes a light but when we look at each other's eyes all we see is darkness we want the light that we see in your eyes The eye is the window to the soul. Is the soul light or is the soul darkness? Now, according to the word of God, also, what is considered light and darkness? Righteousness and unrighteousness. So there's actually a multiple application here. As, uh, as we're talking about either saved versus unsaved, and then uh, righteous actions, righteous works, and, and uh, righteous behavior and such versus unrighteous because we can bring things into our lives and have things in our lives that are unrighteous that are actually of darkness and it will cause a dimming like when a candle is on a candlestick and the flame is really big versus when the, the when the wick is wearing down and the flame is hardly gone and you can and it's not given off as much light a lot of Christians are like that with a very small wick and a very tiny flame it, it is still lit barely just barely what we want to do is we want to trim the wick and we want to make the flame nice and big and we want it to give off as much light as possible and then we see unsaved versus saved that when you look into the eyes of individuals it's interesting i actually have done this uh, i have I've, over on instagram and facebook a while back i actually put up a couple of pictures of myself i have a picture of myself from when i was in the depths the absolute depths of of the occult stuff that i used to partake in and there's a picture of me i i had a necklace of all my norse rune stones and stuff and uh i was i was in the prime of the witchcraft practices my eyes were just dark you can even see in the picture my eyes just dark and angry looking and there's there's something there there's something over my face it's just it's very dark looking and then i would pair that picture with a picture of me just a few months after i got saved 
I mean, it's it's glaring obvious the difference. I mean, the 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 picture of me after I got saved, my eyes are bright and light, and there's such a joy in my face. Versus the other picture is this darkness, heaviness, and darkness. It, it's it, it's noticeable and tangible the difference between the two pictures. That's what Christ is talking about here. And so Luke eleven verse thirty four, the light of the body is the eye. The eye is the window to the soul. Now. We also want to be careful because there are some people who take this and run with this a little too far. They, they, they think that I have actually heard, I have actually seen some people who think that they can tell who's saved and who's not saved by just looking at the eyes. Really? No. No, absolutely not. And people, uh, there are some people say that, you know, when I stare into your eyes, I can tell if you're saved or not saved. No, that's called oculomancy. That's called divination of the eyes, where you stare into the person's eyes and you can glean information and stuff and readings. That's actually a form of occult divination. It's called oculomancy. So don't get pulled into that. What it means is that there, that where the spirit of God is, there will be a joy and light of the countenance of the eyes. And, and there, it, there will be a noticeable, tangible difference about the person to righteousness. That's what he means there. That the uh, that the, as the the eyes will be bright, so will the countenance and the life, the mind, the heart, the person will be brighter. There'll be a peace, a joy, a gladness, the oil of gladness. There will be the manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God. That's that's what the Lord is talking about here. So the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. Now, what does he mean by the singleness of heart? Singular, focused on what? The word of God, the, the paths of righteousness, the truth of Christ. When you're focusing on the word of God, you're not uh, double-minded. As the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, as the word of God teaches, is that you're not focused off on all other things which can draw you away from what the Lord has laid out before us. So what does the Lord say about this? About having a singular focus, a determination that there's a point and purpose of your life, and that is to bring glory to the Lord in all that you do, in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. So when an eye is single, focused on Christ, you're looking to Christ. Thy whole body is full of light, the light of Christ, not my light. It's not my candle light. It's not my flame it's not my righteousness. I have nothing. I have nothing. I am nothing. So what, what it's all about is the Lord, the manifestation of the Lord, the focus of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the work of the Lord. It's his grace, his work, his righteousness. It's his light. It's the light of Christ manifested through me. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. The Lord God, Jesus Christ, is upon my life, upon my heart and mind. I believe in him. I call upon him. He forgives me of my sins by grace, through faith, by belief alone. And he helps me to understand and see it. And he teaches me all things. He causes me to be in remembrance of everything that he has told me. Just as the word of God says, thy whole body shall be full of light. Your life 
will be full of light, the light of Christ. You will not have to fear, worry, or wonder about anything as he sheds light upon every situation. The situations, the circumstances, the issues, all the things going on in, in this world, he'll guide you and help you. You don't need to worry about anything. That You don't have to be afraid of the dark, the unknown, the, the, cha the chaos, the confusion. You don't have to worry or fret about any of that. What does the Lord say? But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. What is considered evil in this context? In this context, what does it mean by evil? That which is not focused on the Lord, but is all about physicality, materialism, of the flesh, of sin, of darkness, of the things of this world you're focusing on, and you're not bringing it to the Lord. When you're not focused on the Lord, that's evil. When you're ignoring the Lord, that's evil. When you're dismissing the Lord, when you're apathetic of the Lord, that's evil. When you put other things as equal to or surpassing the importance of the things of the Lord, that's evil. There will be darkness. There will be there'll be chaos, confusion, instability. That, that uh, you'll be unfounded, ungrounded. You'll be going after opinions and feelings and circumstances and experiences and not the truth of doctrine and theology of the word of God. What does the Lord say? But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. So we see here the difference how when one just gives themselves to the Lord in prayer and fasting, devotion, worship and fellowship, zealousness of the Lord, there, there's, such, there, there's such confidence there's such a peace and understanding that, there, that there's no fear or confusion or worrying or stressing. That the Lord guides them in all things. He answers their prayers and there's such a fervency and fire in their life. A fire, a passion. Versus when one does not do that. It's not like a, that the passion is gone. There's a coldness, a deadness, an apathy that... Prayer is more of just tradition and ritualism, churchianity, that there's not there's no passion for Christ. They hardly ever even witness to that. It's Christianity in kind of lifestyle culture only. That's darkness. There's no fire of Christ. There's no fire. Verse 35. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Now, think about that thought just for a moment. How can darkness be light? It's kind of an odd thing to say, isn't it? It's kind of weird when you think about it. But, but think about it. Darkness is light. To who? What kind of individual would have a life, a mindset, where to them, darkness is light. Well, remember what we talked about. Compared to what is light compared to God, what is darkness? Opinions, feelings, experiences versus the word of God. Where feelings, opinions, I think, I feel, I believe, I want, I don't want, I'm going to do. To them, as the word of God teaches that that's a darkness, to them, that's their guidance of light. That's their, that's their 
That's their light of guidance in their life. Light guides us in the dark. Some people think that their own light, the light of their intellectualism, the light of their philosophies, the light of their opinions is enough to guide them through this world. But the word of God says that that's a darkness, not a light. They think their flashlight's on and shining, but it's not. It's not. It's also as the word of God talks about, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, who flip it around and invert it. What does the word of God teach us how we should live, how we should be in this world? Those that refuse that and invert that, but yet think that they are true disciples of Christ. As the Lord says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, but do not do as I say. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light. Full of light. You see, like I said, there are many a Christian who have a light, the light of salvation. They're saved, but it ends there. They do nothing for the Lord. Now, as the word of God talks about saved by the skin of their teeth kind of thing. That they are saved, but they're not doing anything for the Lord. They're, they're saved, but there's no passion, there's no zealousness, there's no witnessing. Christ isn't evident in their life. Praise the Lord that we're saved by grace, eh? Praise the Lord that, that our salvation is not dependent upon our works. For who then would be saved? Honestly. Honestly. If our salvation was dependent upon us earning our salvation, maintaining to keep our salvation, who would be saved? No one. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord we're saved by grace. Now, thy whole body shall be full of. Now, notice the words. There's a big difference between having a light and then being full of light there's the spark of light of the spirit of god within us of our salvation versus as we see where paul full of the holy ghost peter full of the holy ghost and jesus talks about here full of light you see part of our lives can be given to him or our whole lives can be given to him where in everything that you do Full of, in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God. Your entertainment, your meals, your drinks, your, your work life, home life, private life, you know, your hobbies, interests, everything. In everything that you do, driving the car, riding your bike, going for a walk, playing sports, whatever. The Lord is with you on your mind, on your heart. You bring him with you everywhere you go and in everything that you do, in, your, in every conversation, you 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 strive to, to make your conversations honorable unto the Lord, that you will not betray him and grieve him with your speech and with your thought. You fight the imaginations, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Be holy as he is holy. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will allow no corrupt communication to proceed out of my mouth, having no fellowship, the unfruitful works of darkness, and on and on and on. Why? Because you love him. 
this manifests as light. There's a righteousness, a holiness, a godliness, a Christ-likeness that is tangible. That when people see and hear you, when they think of you, they know that there's a disciple of Christ, a servant of the Lord, not for your glory, but for his. You're honoring the Lord and you're draw you are drawing all eyes to Christ. This is what, what it's all about. Now, now, I'm sorry, Shabbat, no, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. And please don't change the topic. We're trying to stay on, on topic here of the word of God. And uh, if you have something uh, you'd like to add in, uh, please make sure it's in line with our study here. If it's not in line with the topic at hand, please hold it to the end of the study or to the next broadcast. We want to limit our rabbit trailing. And no, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. So we see the, the whole body shall be full of light. Now, who is this for? Who is the Lord talking to? Just anyone and everyone? No. This here is for the saints. Jesus is talking about saints here. Because can an unsaved person manifest light by good works? No. For there's no goodness in them. It's not about, it's not about works. It's not about goodness. Now, Now, about goodness and good works. You cannot, if you cannot do good works without Christ. Now, I'm talking about in context of goodness of God's context. We think it's good. There's a lot of people that do a lot of good things by our perception, our standard, what we think. I think it's good works. But what does God think? Can a person do good according to God's standard of good without Christ? Well, what does it gain you? What does it earn you? What shall it, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Goodness by whose standard? If Christ himself is not in it, is it goodness according to Christ's likeness? No. So you need Christ for there to be light. If Christ is not in you, there's no light no matter what you do. You can strike the the the, the rock and flint together as much as you want. You'll get no light. There's no fire. There's no light. There's no light for the candle in your life if Christ is not in your life. Because we have no goodness in ourselves. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All have sinned. All are fallen away. All are become corrupt. All are lost. All are in darkness, the word of God says. All are dead in sin, the word of God says. All are condemned, the word of God says. There's no light in anyone else. There's no light in any person but Christ. It takes the light of Christ to illuminate the darkness of this world. The light of Christ to illuminate the darkness of this world. Not my light. So how can we manifest the light of Christ? How can we manifest the light of Christ? 
if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, okay, hold up. Are you talking about commandment keeping, law keeping? We have to keep the law. We have to keep the commandments. No, 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 no. We don't have to do anything. Now, what are the commandments of Christ? If you love me, keep my commandments. If ye abide in me, my word abides in you. Well, also we would see Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, for example, loving your enemies and turning the other cheek and abstaining from darkness, having no fellowship in the fruitful works of darkness. Why? Because you love him. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a commandment of God. Well, we see in John, actually, chapter 6, an individual comes to Jesus and says, Master, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. So to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to do good works, to believe, to have faith, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own, your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. Why? Because you have no idea where to go. You can't see anything by our own intellect, our own wisdom. We haven't a clue where the path is and where to go. We'll wind up falling off a cliff face somewhere. But the Lord directs us. He guides us with his eye, with his hand, with his light. He goes before us as a, as a light unto our, our path, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He is our light. He illuminates the darkness for us. We don't illuminate anything. But the Lord talks about us as being a, a shining light in this dark world. Right. What is shining? Not me. Not my works. Not my righteousness. His. The imputed righteousness of Christ is what shines through our lives. We manifest this by the determination of righteousness, by showing Christ. When we show Christ, it's like opening the box and the light of the candle shines and lights up everything. Now we can close and hide the light or we can shine the light. Our hearts. We can close the light by refusing to manifest that which Christ has said, or we can show the light by professing, speaking, showing, working that which Christ has said and done. What he commands of us. What does he command of us? To preach Christ, manifest Christ, to show Jesus Christ in all things of this world, to not care what this world says and does about every other thing, but to show what the Lord says, what the Lord wants, what Christ calls, what Christ determines. What does the Lord want? All to be saved. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the light in this world. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you live the gospel? How can you show, manifest, and illustrate the gospel in your life? By the passion of fervency of your love of Jesus Christ in all that you do. How often do you talk of him? How often do you post of him? How often do you illustrate and manifest him in all the things of this world? Do you show him at work? Do you speak of him with your friends? How often do you talk about him on social media? How often do you reveal the light of Christ in your life? 
even in even in your choices of entertainment your if your eye is single thy body shall be full of light singularly focused on the doctrines and teachings and commandments and the truths of the lord of the word of god in everything that you do you don't have to look at the commandments you look at christ that when you love the lord god jesus christ of the holy word of god you will naturally instinctively want to do those things that are honorable unto him and naturally instinctively not want to do those things that are dishonorable so singularly focused on christ singularly focused on the gospel on the word of god what does it say to not be drawn off after signs and wonders an evil generation seeketh after a sign as the lord says it's not about after other people other things catechisms commentaries creeds and councils it's after jesus christ singularly focused on christ if thine eye be single jesus christ is our light he's our water our bread our light our life he is our strength our help he is our grace our mercy our redemption our salvation his blood of his death of his cross of his burial of his resurrection of his power of his word his commandments his thoughts his opinions his truths his doctrines his theology his teaching his wisdom his knowledge nothing of me nothing of me all of him in everything that you do think say do that's how your body can be full of light that's how your whole life your life can be full of light in everything that you do in every room in every activity in every of every thought word action if thy whole body therefore be full of light having no part dark not one single aspect of your life exists without Christ if thy whole body therefore be full of light having no part dark the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light a bright shining candle versus a little dim little tea light that's almost dying out which do you want to be in this world the bright shining candle that you could see miles and miles away or the tiny little teeny tea light that's almost it's almost going out that it could be even in a room and you hardly even notice it which do you want to be similarly as i often talk about if you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and prayed and served the Lord, how healthy and strong would you be if you ate and drank as often as you read your Bible and prayed? How healthy and strong would you be? How many songs on the radio do you know? Do you know by memory that if it starts playing, you can sing along and you're familiar with them? How many how many movie and TV show plots do you know that you could explain the films and the shows and all this stuff? How much of that do you know by, by, by memory from heart? How many Bible verses do you know? So it goes to show our priorities. Many a Christian is dim 
Many a Christian is a dying tea light. Rather, what we want to be, and I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of the of the lighthouses. You know, a lighthouse uh, up there, and its its light is just beaming away, warning ships uh, of of the where the rocks and the shore is, and you could see it for miles and miles and miles away. What do you want to be? A dying tea light or a bright shining lighthouse? Priorities. Every time you prioritize the Lord and his word in your life, you're making your light just a bit brighter. The flame is getting bigger, bigger, bigger. The flame is growing. The flame is growing. And pretty soon, you're a bright lighthouse. Determination of righteousness. Determination of Christ. Singularly focused. I don't care what I want. I couldn't care less. My desires. I care what the Lord wants, what the Lord desires. The scriptures talk about how the Lord will grant thee the desires of thine heart. I, I thought of this the other day, and I did a little post on Instagram about it. You know, we see in the word of God or the Lord promises to grant us the desire of our hearts. Do we grant him the desire of his heart? What's the desire of Christ's heart? That all men would see him, that all eyes would see him, all hearts would know him, that all would hear of his gospel, of his truth, of his salvation, that, that we would live in him and of him and through him, by him in all things, in all that we do. The desire of Christ is to be made manifest through us. Do we show the desire of Christ's heart in our lives? We're so focused, so focused on the Lord granting us the desire of our hearts, about us getting what we want. But what about the Lord getting what he wants? Do we ever grant him his desire? Oh, from the odd time, maybe we'll hand out a track. Maybe we'll do a Bible post or something. Maybe we'll spend a bit more than five minutes with him. You know. But what about in everything that you do? Always. If thy whole body, that's thoughts, imaginations, desires, lusts, wants, of everything. If thy whole body, entertainment, lifestyles, hobbies, interests, work life, home life, private life, thy whole body, therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. You see, we can squander and dim the light. By refusing to do that which we should. Now we do this all the time. We always do this. Especially when the preacher's preaching. It's easy to be a, to be a zealot for the word of God. When the preacher's preaching. It's easy to shout amen and raise the hands. Well, carefully. You know, for, if you're Baptist, your hands can't go above your shoulder. But you know, it's, it's easy to, uh, to be charismatic for the Lord when you're amongst the believers in church it's easy to be on fire for the lord when it's a safe spot but what about when you're alone what about when no one else is around there are no prying eyes the curtains are shut who are you what are you behind closed doors who are you what are you in privacy 
You see, it's one thing to be on fire for the Lord in, uh, amongst the saints. It's one thing to put on the Christian zealot face in public. But what about when you're all alone? Well, this is what the Word of God talks about, how we're, we're encompassed with a multitude of witnesses, the angels, the Spirit of God, the eyes of the Father are upon you. You have a huge audience watching you 24-7, 365. You see, the point as the Word of God talks about this and this kind of thing is that you're a glass house. I'm a glass house. What you see is what you get always. That, that you in private, you in public, no difference. No difference. You, there, there's no mask. There's no second face. There's no veil, no cloak. What you see is what you get. You're, you're an open book. You're a glass house. That you're on fire for the Lord in private, in public. Doesn't matter where you are, what you are. There's no difference. That, that there's no secrets. That what you see is what you get. Now, granted, granted that, that we defile this often and often we we grieve the Lord. We sin and make mistakes. But that's where if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he will forgive you of your sins and help you. And, and that he'll forgive you if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sure, and that the righteous men fall seven times and rises again. True, that's what it's about. That I make mistakes all the time. I'm a horrible saint. <laughs> I'm a poor example. Who isn't? That, but the point is, is that we fight to keep the flame going. That when the wax starts melting, the wax is a picture of those things of the world starts melting in and starts dimming up and encroaching on the flame and causes causing the flame to die out. We want to clean that out and trim the wick. We want to keep the flame going. Constant work of keeping flame going. Not salvation. Love of Christ. Why do you work at keeping the flame going? Because you love him. Why do you keep stoking the fire? That when the fire starts going out, you put another log on there. Put some more wood on. Why are you doing that? Because you need you need that heat of the truth of Christ. You need to keep close to him because you know that if you don't, the coolness of the, of the darkness of the night will encroach upon you and your faith will die out. Your zealousness will die out. The passion, the passion of Christ will die out and the world will start to encroach upon you. The darkness and the coolness and the mist of this coldness, the dampness that goes right through you to your bones will encroach upon you. You don't want that. You keep that away by the fire of Christ. Closeness of the Lord, the love of the Lord. We want to, want to stave away these things by the light of Christ. The heat of the righteousness of Christ. To resist the devil and he will flee. The darkness flees. The coolness flees. The devils flee. When you resist them, what is it that, that, that is resisting them? How do you resist them? By promoting Christ in all that you do. Promoting the word of God in all that you do. The love of the word of God. The love of Jesus Christ. The love of the Father. The love of the saints. The love of the brethren. The love of the word of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's not a, it's not a have to. 
It's a want to. I want to because I love him. My salvation is not hinged upon my doing or not doing. But the fire is. The passion is. The zealousness is. The fervency is. The honesty and sincerity is. Can you be a Christian and be and be so entrapped by the darkness of the mist that you don't even know how to trim the wick and get the fire growing? Yes. It happens to a lot of Christians. Depression. Being overwhelmed, overworked. Being so heavy, so 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 encroached by the things of this world that you don't know where to turn what to do as iron sharpens iron so the countenance of a brother sharpens his brother so we help each other pray for each other we encourage each other we uplift each other we pray for each other and and we help trim each other's wick by bringing each other to christ encouraging each other to keep going stop focusing on the falling Start focusing on the getting up. It's not about the fall. You're going to fall again. We are all going to fall again. We're all going to slip and splat on our face right in the muck again and again. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Multiple times a day, it's going to happen. It's about the getting back up. Just stand up. When you stand up, the Lord cleans you off. He washes you clean. He cleanses you by his grace, by his mercy, by his faithfulness to us. He holds us and will never let us go. Now, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. I will never forsake you. I will never let you go. Nothing can pluck you out of my hand. Neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature, nor the principality or power can pluck you out of my hand. That means you can't pluck yourself out either. He holds you despite our stupidity and our weaknesses. He loves you because you are his own. He loves you because you love his son. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved, sealed, forgiven for eternity. And he holds you. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He holds you. Even when you slip and fall and do stupid things, he holds you. He has a grip on the back of your shirt. And uh, he says, come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. And he lifts you up. Brushes you off. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. That's what it's about. The joy of the Spirit of Christ. The joy of Christ is also what causes the flame to grow. Because you know He will never let you go. The joy of that causes the flame to grow. Understanding that He will always forgive you. And, and that you are forgiven. Causes the flame to grow. On the love of Christ. How, how He saved you. What He saved you from. The remembrance of His goodness and His grace and His mercy. Of His salvation. How He gave Himself for, for the sins of the world. Because He so loved us. Caused the flame to grow. And soon you can't keep that flame hidden. And it manifests. And you speak of it. And you show it unto others. That's what the Lord means about the light of the eye. What are you looking at? What are you watching? What's your focus? What's your determination? What are you content with? A little tea light for the table or a lighthouse? Do you take the candle up on a high hill that all eyes may see it? Or do you hide it? Why would you want to hide it? Are you ashamed of the light? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
To be ashamed is to hide it, to keep it behind closed doors, to put it in the back room, to put a bushel over it. To not speak of it, not show it, not manifest it, to not illustrate it <clears throat> unto others. To not want others to know that you have this light. So you keep it hidden. You just keep it unto yourself and you just look at it once in a while to yourself. And oh, you make sure no one else is looking at it. We do that. You don't let others know who you believe in, who you trust in, who's the focus of your life. That when you refuse to participate in, in, the, in the pleasures of the world and you won't tell them why. Because you're afraid of them mocking and scoffing and ridiculing. That's being ashamed of Christ. It's not about... <clears throat> It's not about the works. Because any dog and his brother can do good things, can help the poor, help the sick. And any religious person can buy a Bible and, uh, and go to a church building and sit in the pews and sing the hymns. Any person can be religious. Any person can say they love God, love Jesus. But what does it mean to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? It's not about the outward. It's not about the washing of pots and cups. It's not about washing of the hands. It's not about the, the, the borders of your garment being bright and blue. It's not about, uh, about the outward. It's about the inward. The light of the eye is not the outward. The light of the eye is the inward. It's of that which is spiritual, with that which no other person can see. How many people go to church who are nothing but raging, lost, hypocritical Pharisees? That they're going to hear the words, uh, name not found written. They're going to be crying, Lord, Lord. How many, how many people think they're saved when they're not? It's not about the outward, it's about the inward. The light is inside. It's the passion of the desire, of the love of Jesus Christ, of the heart. Not the head, of the heart, not the hands. It's not about charities and doing good works and things. It's not, it's not about going through the motions of prayer, reading your Bible. It's about, I want to because I love him, because I believe in him. Where's the passion and the desire? Where's the tears of your own personal sins that when the, when the doors are shut and you're by yourself, you, you despise the sins of yourself because you know how it grieves the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that most of your prayers are, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did it again. I forgot again. I didn't stand up again. Lord, I'm sorry. Most of your prayers are like this. What is that? The closer you get to the Lord, the more you despise the sins of self. The closer you get to the Lord, the more you see your sin. The closer you get to the Lord, you, the more you see his grace because you, the more you see you have nothing in you. That's light. That, that is being consumed by the light of Christ because he's standing so much closer to you. That, that the closer he gets to you, the more your head bows in shame. Do you bow in shame before the Lord because you're so close to him? Where is the Lord in your life? How close is Jesus Christ to you? How close is he? How much do you love him? 
How much time do you spend before him? How low do you bow before him? Because you're ashamed of who you are in his presence. The closer you are to him, the more his own light is manifested in you. Where is he? Where is the word of God? Where is the light of Christ? Are you thinking it's your light by your actions? You have to do enough of X, Y, Z to get the light shining? No. It's about Jesus Christ. How close is he? It's his light that manifests through your life. You see yourself a wretched sinner saved by grace. And it's this joy of his grace that causes you to speak up. Only a person who doesn't see the depth of their own sin and depravity, a person who doesn't see the depths of the riches of the grace of God in their life is a person who will not speak up for the Lord. They don't have much light in their life because they don't see the depths of their own darkness. The depths of their own darkness. When you see the depths of your darkness, that's when the light of Christ is the brightest. Where sin abounds, his grace did much more abound. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Don't focus on, well, well, I pray a lot, I repent a lot, I focus on my heaviness and darkness all the time, and I, I know this, I focus on this, and, and this, this helps. No, don't look at yourself at all. Look at him. You don't even want to look at yourself. You can You can hardly look at yourself in the mirror. Like, how am I a disciple of Christ if I can't do this, can't do that? I, I keep failing, I keep failing, I keep failing. How am I a disciple of Christ? And it drives you to his grace again and again. You have, you have to look at him because you can't even look at yourself. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, your eyes are so full of light because you can't look at anything else. The whole body shall be full of light. As when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. How bright is your candle? How bright is your candle? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. No more, no less. No more, no less. Simplicity of faith. Simplicity of salvation. Simplicity of it all. We get so focused on churchianity, religiosity, traditionalism. We get so focused on doing, doing, doing. We don't focus on believing. We don't focus on simplicity of grace and mercy. We get focused on the outward appearance. We judge after the outward appearance. We don't judge of the simplicity of the heart. What is the light? Where is the light? What manifests the light? I don't manifest. It's not my power of manifesting. I'm not even the one that manifests it. When I believe, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath said. When you believe on the Lord of the fullness of the heart, the light manifests of its own. 
the Lord rejoices and the Lord is ma Lord manifests himself in faith, in belief. That when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and you let go of everything, you stop trying. You start believing. You start loving. The Lord will manifest himself. The power of the Lord manifests himself. He does it all. I do nothing. It's nothing of me. It's all of him, none of me. It's all of him, none of me. All of him. In everything that you do. Even in eating and drinking. Do all to the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. It's not about me focusing, trying, fighting, striving. What does it say? We must not strive. Avoiding contentions and strifes of words. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. I don't deserve. I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyways because we so loved him. Because we believed in him. He gave it to us anyways. Undeserved. Unmerited. Unwarranted. Because he so loved us. We love him. Because he so loved us. It's the love of Christ. Is the light. The love of Christ is the light. And the Lord shows this. And it radiates outward. And others notice this. They see it. Gets their attention. That's what opens doors of witnessing. That's what draws others to come and ask about the about uh, about what is different in you. As First Peter three fifteen, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to them who would come and ask you of the hope within you with meekness and fear. And in meekness and fear of the Lord, we show them and tell them, so that they might believe, and they can go. And we start spreading fires. We start spreading the light. That's what it means to be a Christian. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. It's like, I don't know if you've ever tried starting a fire the old-fashioned way. With the striker and the flint, well, this you take the, those two and you strike them together, and it creates the spark. And you, and you you do this, and it starts and it starts fires. If ye abide in me, and my word abides in you. Christ is the flint. His word is the sparker. So you see the two rocks that, that take to, to strike together to create the fire. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. It takes both. You say you love the Lord. Where's his word? If you want there to be a fire, if you want there to be a light, you got to have the two. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. 
the Lord will help and bless and strengthen and comfort. He will he will manifest his light, his power in you so much more. Because those who honor me, I will honor. Because what's a commandment of God? What's what's one of the commandments of God? To abide in his word. To write his word upon your heart. To meditate always on the word of God day and night. To set thy word as frontlets between our eyes. To bind it upon our fingers. That in everything that we do. For the glory of God. That's what it's talking about. About light. For the goodness of the Lord. It will draw eyes. Of both the saved and the unsaved. It will draw it will draw the, the fervent and it will draw the trolls. Everyone will come. Light attracts everything. Animals, bugs, moths. It attracts everything. It attracts the lost. It attracts everything. And the Lord will help you in knowing how, how to handle all of this that comes. And as you see, as he's saying this, verse 37, as he speaks, certain Pharisees besought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled. They, it, And when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed, washed before dinner. The Pharisees are so, so caught in traditional, traditionalism, ritualism, and outward. They judge of the outward. That they judge that Jesus didn't wash his hands before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Not, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Anyone can say they love God. Anyone can say they love Jesus. Anyone can invite Jesus to their house. It doesn't mean they love him or believe in him. These Pharisees didn't believe in him. They wanted Jesus to be a part of their life, not their life. And Jesus says, but your inward is full of ravening and wickedness. Your inward is full of darkness. The outward looks like light, but is not. So you see right here, just like I was saying, Jesus says, ye fools, did not he that made, that made that which is without make that which is within also? Did the Lord not make your body? Did he not make the world? Did he not make all things? Did he not also make the inward? How can we only give him the outward? We don't give him the inward. Or we give him the inward and we don't give him the outward. Does he not deserve both? The spiritual and the physical? Does he not deserve both the thoughts and the words? Does he does he not deserve both? But rather give alms of such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. Here's open sepulchres and graves. You're so focused on, on, on what you eat and so focused on what you do and so focused on who sees you, but you don't 
care about that which is inward. Then answered one of the lawyers and said unto him, Master, thus saying, thou reproachest us also. And he said to them, and Jesus turns to them. He's had it. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers and all these others, these hypocrites and liars and deceivers. And he snaps on the lawyers also and he says, Woe unto you also, you lawyers. Be laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. You judge others, but you don't do anything yourself. You judge them, but you don't seek to help them. It's easy to judge someone and not help them. Oh, look at what they're doing. They're, they're not a good Christian. Oh, look how they fall. Yeah, they, look at the example they are. But you don't help them at all. You don't go to them and teach them and help them and pray for them and fellowship with them to draw them closer to Christ. You do nothing but nothing but judge. Lawyers. You don't help any of their burdens with one of your fingers. Verse 47. Woe unto you, for ye build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. You, you have roast preacher for dinner after the Sunday services. You judge all other Christians as speakers, but you don't do anything to, to try to teach the truth and help others yourselves. All you do is judge. You build the sepulchers and you damn those that came before because you think yourself better. Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchres. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them shall they slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. For the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perish between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye have entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in ye hindered. You take away the key of salvation, the key of truth and understanding. You take that away by your judging and damnation and condemnation of people. You don't help them. You judge after the appearance, and you judge not righteous judgment. And that got the people mad. The light of Christ will judge darkness. The light of Christ is to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and, and doctrine. To use the truth of the word of God as light. And it will make people mad. The wolves, the goats, and the rats will scream. When the light of Christ is manifested. When you show forth the truth of the word of God. It will make people wild. It will clear out the dead wood. The light of Christ will either clear out the room or fill it up. You make no apology. You make no apology for the word of God. No apology for the doctrine and truths of the word of God. No apology for how the word of God might condemn or judge sin and hypocrisy. They need to hear. They need to hear. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things. It's exactly what they do. It's exactly what they do. That when you start telling them how X, Y, Z is wrong because the word of God says this, they start going off on you. Yeah, well, what about this? 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 Do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? And they start trying to provoke you with many things. Just like it says. They try to provoke him to speak of many things. Laying wait for him. Seeking to catch something out of his mouth. That they might accuse him. 
they don't repent they're not repentant they try to make excuses for everything they try to find loopholes and everything and they try to fault find you because you showed them how they're wrong according to the word of god just like they did back then is the way they are now the goats wolves and rats fill up the sanctuaries and fill the churches they fill the rafters call themselves christians they call themselves religious they call themselves disciples of christ they know nothing of the word of god the word of god is the light and how do you know who's saved word of god will show it the love of christ will manifest it the truth of christ will manifest all things it'll manifest sin it will manifest righteousness it'll show you what is of god and what is not worry not what to say beforehand i will give thee the words with which to say in the very same hour don't worry about it love christ love his word show forth the truth of the word of god all things will be made manifest just as it says talks about this through the epistle of john first john talks about this how the light will make manifest but some christians don't want to do that because they don't want to draw attention to themselves They don't want to draw attention to themselves, so they don't speak up at all. Which is worse? Being in darkness? Or having the light and hiding it from the darkness? Which is worse? speak up for the lord they say they love him but in works dishonor him where the fear of man overrides the fear of god the fear of darkness overrides the righteous fear of light holy reverential worship and respect that's what i mean by fear that's what the word of god talks about that's what it means when it says fear of the lord that's holy reverential worship and respect the fear of the lord the 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 fear of the light of christ the love of it the worship of it it should be so evident that you can't hold it in you can't hide it or all see it all know it and to stand upon it within it so proudly to abide in Christ and his word in you. And the two strike and start spark and fire. To cast the flame of truth in everything that you do. To hold high the torch. To not hide it. To set it on a hill where all eyes can see it. High in your life. It, it takes work to climb up a steep hill. But you want to and you're determined to because you love him and they have to hear it. They have to see it. They have to know. Where is the light in your life? How bright is it? How can you make it brighter? What more can you do for the Lord because you love him? The light of Christ the light of truth the light of the body is the eye 
Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Don't worry about the world. Don't worry about the world's doings and goings on and the issues and the social issues. Don't worry about it. But manifest Christ in it. Honorable as Christ determined, as Christ spoke. Don't speak from opinion and feeling and what you think, what you feel, what, what you deem as right, but what the Lord says. As the prophet Micaiah says in 1 Kings twenty two fourteen, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. What the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. What the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. What the Lord says. Thus saith the Lord. It's the only authority in the Christian life. In all aspects of worship and practice of faith. There you go. That's Luke chapter 11. The light of Christ. So I hope this has been a help and encouragement to you. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content and stuff. So um, check out the playlist according to the Bible. And also in light of this, uh, check out the playlist testimonies. I mean, you want some encouragement, check out some of those, especially the one by the uh, the guy who used to be a shaman. I will never go back is what it's called. Man, powerful, powerful stuff. And see how others came to the truth of the Lord. It's powerful. So there you go. So please make sure you share this around. Share this video around uh, uh, to, to help encourage and, and help others to see what uh, how we should be and what it's all about. It's all about the Lord. It's not about us. Stop looking at yourself. Start looking at Christ. Start looking at Christ in everything that you do, and he will guide you. He will help you. He will be the light for you. So, there you go. All right, so with that then, please make sure you check out our website as well, christiancoffeetime.ca. got links to all our other platforms, other goodies and things, so and check out our playlist. And if you appreciate this study, give us a like, a thumbs up, and Hope to see you again, folks. So God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.